your faith is. Look close and read, and you will find God. Unpack the faith in the fiction. Take up this lens with conviction. Look close and read, and you will find God. Welcome, everyone, to another meeting of the Urban Picks Book Club. I'm Sean, and I'm joined once again by Myra. Hi, everybody! <laughs> happy Lent! Happy Lent and happy St. Patrick's Day! Patrick's. Yes, here in the Diocese of Sacramento, it is a solemnity because St. Patrick is one of the co-patrons of our diocese, mm-hmm. along with Our Lady of Guadalupe. So it's a it's a particularly a special day for us. Oh, praise the Lord. We're so excited to be here and we're so excited to continue our deep dive into the giver. Um, it's been quite the Lent since ever since we talked to you last, right? Um, and uh, let's just get in this. Why not? I wanted to actually talk about, so at our, uh, so this, uh, this meeting, we are going to cover chapters eight through through the end of 15 in The Giver. So if you haven't uh, caught up to that yet, just know that there are definitely spoilers. Um, but it would be, <laughs> you know, alert. spoiler alert. Yes, it would be nice if you actually went back, if you didn't do so already, to our, our first couple of episodes or meetings, I should say, meetings in our book club in our little virtual <laughs> cafe here. So yeah, I, I wanted to, since we're in the the thralls of the desert of Lent. Um, I actually, I don't know about you. I Lent is one of my favorite liturgical seasons. And in part because of the, the various kind of rituals and traditions that we have to, to prepare for Easter, that we have to kind of mark this time of, of, of spiritual uh, growth, hopefully. You know, we talked about last time about the importance of traditions and the importance of rituals because because they speak to something much deeper, I think, to our humanity, that they sometimes speak more eloquently than words. What are your favorite uh, Lenten rituals or traditions that you that you like to do or practice, as well as maybe some some maybe aspects of the the, the liturgy, the, particularly of the Triduum that you like, Myra? Oh, of the tri- oh the whole Triduum, but well, we'll get to that. So I'm I'm a musician, and uh, in particular, I'm actually a, I'm a singer. Uh, and pre-COVID, we used to sing at church a lot, you know, um, part of a choir. And um, this choir focuses on singing sacred music, Catholic music. Um, it's it's so beautiful. We sing a lot of Latin. Um, and one of my favorite things that happens during Lent is that we sing less. And it's not because I don't like singing or anything, but it's because it's this purposeful, we hold back our music a lot of the, a lot of uh, our pieces are now purely either piano or just chant. There's no organ being played this time. There's no bells, no nothing, and it's very, very stark. And then when Easter season comes, especially at, at the Triduum, um, we bring out 
every single instrument we can, the timpani, the the bells, you know, we have sometimes we have violin and flute and it's beautiful that that joy of Easter comes out and so oh, I miss it all, the the singing the but uh we'll we'll get there eventually, God willing. Um this pandemic will will get a handle on it, but that's that's some of the things I miss. Um, about <laughs> have you have you ever done the burying of the Alleluia? Have you heard of that tradition? That no, I think but... towards the end of of ordinary time, leading into Lent, that um, I, I think there's a special there's a special Sunday where this traditionally happens, where the word Alleluia is actually written out, and there's mm-hmm. a a custom of burying burying that word. <laughs> that piece so of what, paper. So they would have like have it on like <laughs> how how far back does it go? Papyrus or <laughs> parchment? Oh, oh. Or... I, well, <laughs> probably you, parchment. you could let's, you could see you could see some examples on online. Um, normally, it's like a paper, like a scroll or something like that, uh-huh. and and you either they, um, it. they bury it. Some will even actually bury it like in the in the ground, and so I believe at some point. <laughs> Before Do they ever Easter. take it out for solemnities? Because <laughs> no. that's my other favorite thing. Like you know, like you stop seeing the Gloria mm. right at the be- right for Lent, right? Yes. And then um, all of a sudden, like you're at uh, the solemnity of Saint Joseph, which is in a couple of days, and then you're like, "Here we go, let's bring out all the Gloria again." And you're like, "Ah, taste of Easter." And right in the middle of Lent, it's what we call the Oasis of the Desert, right? That's what oh, I like to call St. Joseph's Day. And, you know, and also, there's also the, the Solemnity of the Annunciation, yes. where we, we oh. renew our, our consecration to Our Lady. Um, Man, we're the... going to be double, we're going to be doubling up consecrations. I know. know. You I better know. put two hours worth of prayer time, people, because you got Our Lady's consecration, our consecration to Our Lady. How could you not? And then the consecration to St. Joseph. Doesn't it fit for the year of St. Joseph? I mean. Totally. Man. And this is for the um, the Montfordian formula of consecration yes. um where there's a there's a period of of preparation and and you know like you said in the year of saint joseph i think tons of people are going to including myself consecrate uh themselves to saint joseph in in literally you know what 48 hours yeah and, yeah. and just kind of watch Watch how you know the impact on the church and impact on our on our community and in families. Yeah. Uh, truly, I think this is a a a special and and blessed year that that we're oh, so privileged sure. to be living in. And I I don't think we will ever you know see another Josephine year in our lifetime. And and what a time for it to come to, and in such mm. a dark time in our world's history when the patron of the church comes out and, and the protector and the defender of the church comes out and you know really stands there for us especially when people's faiths are wavering you know i you yeah. can't you hear all around you know the worry of are people even going to come back after the pandemic and um but saint joseph you know 
gives us comfort and, and just says, you know, hold on, stay steadfast. You know, I, I have to let you know. Um, so I'm, I'm in this great group of young Catholic families and, uh, our husband. So our group of husbands actually decided to begin a consecration as a group to St. Joseph. So, I mean, what a year for, um, for all husbands, for all fathers, for all, for all men, you know, at a time after, um, when the council culture almost canceled out masculinity and and here we are reclaiming it through saint joseph so um i mean that's not book club material i'm so sorry this is like a tangent but uh we can talk about this for days um by the way the giver (laughs) totally totally um all right so as we as we began our meeting last time Myra and I are going to take turns <laughs> to provide a summary of um this section chapters 8 through 15 in 20 seconds that is our <laughs> that's the plan that's what we're shooting for um, I'm so doing it this time I know it okay so you said you had a, a special kind of technique yes. I don't know if you practiced worked out but uh well you go first it, you go first oh Oh, okay. Have okay, to, have ready? Get, like, I have to wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have to psych myself up. I have to get ready for this. Um, wait, hold on. <laughs> I'm really sad. That, sometimes I'm really sad that this is a podcast, only because I would love for the viewers to see how Sean is psyching himself up right now. <laughs> well, maybe this will be <laughs> this will be uh, uh, for <laughs> subscriber content on my Patreon. We'll do a thing. You can just see me, like... Get get so ready. Freak out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, go ahead and, and and count me in. Wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm I'm super competitive too. So if any of you know me, I'm really competitive. So I'm gonna do this. All right. Okay. Okay. Your mark. Yes. Get set. Go. Jonah selected receiver of memories. Training after school. He can lie. Old man. Giver. A weird memory-transferring massage on back. Books, snow, sled, color, colors, elephant, broken legs, sunburn, war, death, baby gave, has gift to everything the same. Oh, I did it! I did it! I did it! <laughs> I, I did it! With with seconds to spare. <sighs> just just to look, re- let the record show it's 20.94 seconds. No, it, or I saw a little it. Bit it was still, that. Sorry. Yes. My bad. Yes, it was nineteen. The- nineteen something. <laughs> <sighs> I did it. I did ready? it. I had to. Wait, hold on. I will break that. Okay. I will break it. All right. You ready? On your marks. Get set. Go. New role. New rules. Meet the giver. Oh, joy, sledding. Colors everywhere. Daily routine. First pain. Oh, baby. War. That's it. Yeah, that's it. 8.42. <laughs> 8.42 seconds. Beat that shit. I included some stuff. Snow. Do you include snow? That's a big sledding. thing. Snow. Oh, oh sledding. sledding. Come sledding. on. Sledding. It wasn't sledding. just snow. It was sledding. Yes, yeah. yeah, it was. <laughs> and we'll... You know well, what I really, I really was like, I need to like haiku this somehow. And I, I summarized everything in like two to three words. Whew. That would be that good. Really you should like power. 
tweet. Well, after this episode drops, look for look for Myra's tattoo <laughs> on our social media. It'll be there. <laughs> anyway, so it was a lot. So oh. we. Oh my goodness! We ended last time where this. Uh, uh, Jonas is at the ceremony where he's going to find his, you know, they're going to uh, bestow on him his kind of how his job, as it were, basically his role in the community, in society. And then he skipped and then he goes through this this uh, turmoil. Um, and then and then we find out, as you as everyone knows, who's read it, um, that he was selected receiver of memories. Now. Did you notice her prose change um, oh. around this point? That before before this, it's very kind of straightforward, kind of matter of fact. Um, because you're you're kind of your universe building at this point, so you're kind of just kind of basically describing things. Um, well, describing things in a in a basic, straightforward way, but. But here, particularly when they go into the the memories, the language becomes like almost poetic, you know. But when he's describing snow and sunshine and feeling, because I think that's it, isn't it? Like there is no um, that that emotion is lost in this world when you give up when you make things the same and you give up memory i don't know do you see that myra oh yeah for sure i mean it becomes so much more descriptive i mean your your thoughts and your imagination i feel like become more alive um and not just because not just because i think of the poetry but because there's more things for the audience to connect to uh, because as Jonah was going, let's say we were going through it, the the first memory of the sledding. Um, I don't know about you, but almost I felt like I was like my first time sledding, and I my own memory of sledding was being recalled in, and so, um, mm-hmm. in that way, it was amazing how Miss um, Lowry could just you know evoke that emotion not only. In, from the giver, from Jonah, but out of the reader. It's beautiful. Yeah. Time. Yeah, I, I did I did find myself being kind of more emotionally um engaged just in, in the in, in her word choices. That in this in this world where words are deliberate and where really everything is deliberate because everything is planned, you don't get that uh the the, the spontaneity and those those kind of moments of of joy when you know when your life is just so strict and ordered and this comes from me and i think i know you too who like who like <laughs> you know we have no problems with order or you know schedules and you know things like that creatures um, of habit we are <laughs> we are but um but there's something but we go through life sometimes and not appreciate even even things as simple as colors, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I, I love being outside and particularly in, in the garden. And as a kid, I, I grew up helping my grandparents and even great-grandparents in the garden in the summer. And so, I don't know, like a, a, flower, like a, a beautiful flower, 
really good captivate me even like fruit you know because i help you know my, i help them like grow like vegetables so even just like we don't look <laughs> i know this is weird what kind of vegetables well, like the umpalaya or the which yes the bitter that? melon yes the bitter melon the really the long eggplant. squash the <laughs> not the zucchini we do comes with zucchini Ooh. but like you know but just how how beautiful it is and how and how in our own world it's ordered and it's not by us well, you know, it's ultimately by God and it's, and it's, you know, through kind of human activity, particularly in, in, um, like genetic selection and thing that we, that we can create new, these new types of vegetables and flowers and things like that. I don't know. It was, uh, I'll, I'll, I haven't, we'll get into color in a little bit, but I actually want to talk about the, um, the transmission of memory. So why don't we do our deep dive now? Because that's kind of sets the scene for, I think, the rest of the discussion. And and like we did last time, we're going to read um, a passage from uh, from the book and kind of discuss it in a bit more detail. And this particular passage, which Myra is going to read, um, is is the first part of chapter 11. All right, here we go. 11. Jonas felt nothing unusual at first. He felt only the light touch of the old man's hands on his back. He tried to relax, to breathe evenly. The room was absolutely silent, and for a moment Jonas feared that he might disgrace himself now on the first day of his training by falling asleep. Then he shivered. He realized that the touch of the hands felt suddenly cold. At the same instant breathing in, he felt the air change and his very breath was cold. He licked his lips and in doing so, his tongue touched the suddenly chilly air. It was very startling, but he was not at all frightened now. He was filled with energy and he breathed again, feeling the sharp intake of frigid air. Now, too, he could feel cold air swirling around his entire body. He felt it blow against his hands where they lay at his sides and over his back. The touch of the man's hands seemed to have disappeared. Now he became aware of an entirely new sensation. Print pricks? No, because they were soft and without pain. Tiny, cold, feather-like feelings peppered his body and face. He put out his tongue again and caught one of the dots of cold upon it. It disappeared from his awareness instantly, but he caught another and another. The sensation made him smile. One part of his consciousness knew that he was still lying there on the bed in the annex room. Yet another separate part of his being was upright now in a sitting position and beneath him he could feel that he was not on the soft decorated bed covering at all, but rather seated on a flat, hard surface. His hands now held, though at the same time they were still motionless at his sides, a rough, damp rope. And he could see, though his eyes were closed, he could see a bright, whirling torrent of crystals in the air around him, and he could see them gather on the backs of his hands like cold fur. His breath was visible. 
beyond through the swirl of what he now somehow perceived was the thing the old man had spoken of snow he could look out and down a great distance he was up high someplace the ground was thick with the furry snow but he sat slightly above it on a hard flat object sled he knew abruptly he was sitting on a thing called sled and the sled itself seemed to be poised at the top of a long extended mound that rose from the very land where he was even as he thought the word mound his new consciousness told him hill then the sled with jonas himself upon it began to move through the snowfall and he understood instantly that now he was going downhill no voice made an explanation the experience explained itself to him his face cut through the frigid air as he began the descent moving through the substance called snow on the vehicle called sled which propelled itself on what he now knew without a doubt to be runners comprehending all of those things as he sped downward he was free to enjoy the breathless glee that overwhelmed him the speed the clear cold air the total silence the feeling of balance and excitement and peace then as the angle of incline lessened as the mound the hill flattened nearing the bottom the sled's forward motion slowed the snow was piled now around it and he pushed with his body moving it forward not wanting the exhilarating ride to end wow thank you myra you have i think a new career as a audible <laughs> reader um really really you think i could do that you don't know no, uh, uh i actually credit it all to i used to be a um not tea i used to volunteer for kindergarten and mm. um, I kid you not, all they wanted to do was read. And so I spent half my time, I actually learned how to read upside down because of it, because I would, they would be around the carpet and I would be showing them the book. And that's how I figured out how to read upside down. I, don't, I haven't tried it lately, but I probably, I, I love reading out loud and I love reading. So nice. Um, I wanted to actually, so, you know, to talk about the transmission of memories, which so I could I could buy the this kind of universe, all the kind of weird weirdness of it. You know, here is where my kind of sus, you know, my my kind of reality that's been suspended was tested a little bit because now the giver, well, the the current receiver memories who we're calling the giver is transmitting this this memory to Jonas through this act of uh touching his back and, and and there's an intentionality to it so he has to intend he's thinking of it and it's kind of flowing out through him for one i i thought like oh you know sacramentality again you know i, I see I, I see liturgy liturgy and sacramental theology and like anything in life but there's a there's a um corporeal element a incarnational element in this you know in in that act of touching to transmit something you you take a look at like how how other you know other ways of 
of showing memory or showing the past, right? We, we, you know, there you could be a time machine or in a more mm-hmm. kind of akin vine is um, the pensive in Harry Potter, mm-hmm, right? Where you take the wand and you yes, pull and out there's the memory. the memory and you could kind of go back and you kind of immerse yourself in that world. But it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's a less of that kind of body you know, touching. So what what do you think about that? Do you, do you think if something like that was to be transmitted, it would be, it would be like that. And is there something about the back and, you know, there's something about the blue eyes or the pale eyes that both of them have and that baby Gabe has. I don't know. Like what? I want to just focus on, first of all, the position he has to receive. Oh, mm. because it's a very vulnerable position. It is. Yes. Um, as, so being a science teacher, knowing that animals never show their back to you unless they're comfortable. Okay. Mm. So if a, if a dog shows his, his back to you, that means he has some sort of comfort level with you that his most vulnerable side, he's going to always protect, which is the one, the stomach. Cause that's the stomach. The, yes. Because that's the one that doesn't have any like ribs and bones to protect it. Anyways. Um, but so have being forced to lay prone and and um obviously without a tunic um really is an interesting way to have to be a receiver Mm. to have this because usually as a receiver you know we're taught hands up open you know why didn't they do they didn't have to something like they could have done that that position like like almost like prayer hands positions yes but um it's through the back and I, I hope it – I want to say it's because that's the least type of way people touch each other. Mm. Like um, – because, you know, they don't they don't procreate for, like how we procreate. They they just have birth mothers. Yes, yes. Um, and you take the – you take the pill for the stirrings. The stirrings. Which he – did we get to the part where he – throws it away i think we do um spoiler alert sorry uh, <laughs> no I, think, yeah, I, I believe it's in this chapter in this at least this section but right so so there's that the the other thing i want to notice is the position of the giver and that the giver it's two hands usually and mm. that you know it's it's with purpose um and has to be skin to skin contacts so that's also interesting too it is. Um, it reminds me, actually, of the creation of Adam. You know, Michelangelo's creation mm-hmm. of Adam, where Adam is kind of limp and like with his kind of like very weak hand coming. You know, kind of extended. But God is like full of power and movement and energy. If anyone you knows that famous fresco from the Sistine Chapel, um, and even in that in that case, and and you you know you were saying too in in the creation. Well, um, that transmitting thing, you know, you you have both hands, and we see, well, at least I, I like to imagine, you know, when we, when the when scripture talks about the creation of Adam in scripture, that it is a kind of two-handed creating action, you know, in in that. Oh, for sure, that and breath, the role mm. of breath in yes. scripture. And and even in our liturgies, come on, you know that. Even in our liturgies and, and what role breath has is, sure, is amazing. Sure, chrismas, exactly. 
um, <laughs> a blessing of a, you know, new church, a new altar, you know, things like that. It's a great, great symbol, uh, sacramentality. Uh, it's just nice to be a Catholic. It is. I mean, that, and it's interesting that it is through the body that it's being transmitted. And it's not like, not through an instrument like the pensive. The body itself is the mm -hmm. instrument. And, and, you, and you're interested in that, that kind of skin to skin contact. We don't have skin to skin contact too much in our society. Well, not anymore. <laughs> no, and definitely. You, you, get, you don't have skin to skin contact. Yeah. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> yes. If you're six feet apart. But if you think about the laying on of hands and in the, in the marriage rite, that when the, the vows are exchanged and receive, the right hands of the couple are joined together. But as you're saying, because of COVID, we don't have handshakes and we don't have mm. even high fives anymore. Things are kind of like, let me jam my elbow, which is the, like <laughs> one of the sharpest parts of my body into you. You know, uh, that's, that's the kind of physical contact that we have. Yeah. Um, Ooh, Sean, but we're made for that. We're of? made for contact. Yes. Um, you know where else we have? We actually have the prone position at in church. Um, it should be coming up. Oh. is on the the liturgy of Good Friday, right? Yes. And where the, the priest and his deacons will be prone in front of the altar, and um, the beauty of that of that act, the humility of that mm -hmm. act. And oh my goodness, can we just imagine, would, wouldn't that be fantastic if we imagined God's hands on his servants at that moment? You particularly, know. you know, particularly during the, um, in ordination liturgies. That too, yes. In the, when we, when they pray the, the litany of the saints and how we're all joined together as a family. Yes. And, and. At the Eucharist where we come together to remember christ come on i mean the, I mean, it just connects oh everyone. yes the memory so do this in memory exciting. of me oh yes we're kind of <laughs> we're geeking out as catholics and as like <laughs> bibliophiles. bibliophiles oh man we can go so much the um did. but I, I wanted to it's interesting then now i want to talk about the communicating snow and and all the other things that that he'll communicate later, you know, death and colors and all that. But how do you take? I was reflecting on this. How do you take this concept and even this thing that you know that you know you know what it is, but other people don't. And and you know you're, you're talking about like if we encounter it, you know, as a kind of intellectual you know game or something if we were if aliens were to land how would we communicate right how would we tell them about our experience when their experience is is i imagine would be something completely different then i was thinking about jesus and how he how he talks about heaven how he talks about the kingdom of god to the apostles and a lot, it's through, through the imagery, through the parables. 
And notice he doesn't tell just one parable. He has to tell multiple parables because it's hard to capture the splendor and glory of heaven in, you know, because we don't know. We, we don't even have language, I imagine, to fully <laughs> describe language, it. Sean. It's ineffable. Ineffable. Um, you can't put it into words, but we attempt to. And, and our Lord, you know, says it's a pearl of great price. It's, you know, that buried, you know, that, that treasure, you know, in the land. Right. He, he gives all these kind of imagery to us about heaven. But as a, as a teacher, Myra, how do you communicate something like, I don't know, like mitochondria? To your to your students you without should. having them be like ah this like understand this is mitochondria. Well, I mean, there are mitochondria. You just show the piece, but no, no there there is a lot of uh, concepts that really I feel will go over their heads. Yes, but I think um, one of the main things as a teacher that I apply is repetition. Okay, this is it. Or, okay, I'm going to say this again. And we're going to say, you know, and, and so some, after a while that will catch on, I would say maybe 40% of students. Um, but for those students who continue to struggle, uh, for them, it's the, it becomes kinetic now. Okay. Now mm. I want you to move. Okay. Move your hands, uh, in order to, talk about cell cycle move your hands in such a way that imitates the chromosomes and how they move in in the cell i mean um i have that and and many students will not then capture capture not understanding um i would say maybe up to 60 percent of students will get it and then no i would say maybe and then an extra 20 percent will get it with time Okay. Just give them a little bit of time. Sure. It'll seep through. I I just know it. Either now or in college when you have to take this class mm. again. Um, but I still think that for maybe ten, five to ten percent, the concept will always elude them. It looks like oh. I mean, but then I that, never understood that. That that just shows of what almost trauma it 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 is for Jonas. To kind of receive such things instantaneously. Within understanding, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not just, you know, snow and sunshine, but, you know, all the other, you know, all the other things about life that we, you know, that he's going to experience. Um, that it does take great courage and strength and all the other characteristics that, that the elder kind of described at, at the assembly. So, Myra, we were... In in Jonas discovering and learning about snow, he he wonders why why don't we have snow? Why don't we have hills? And then and then later on, why don't we have sunshine? Which actually makes me wonder if they don't have sunshine, what what do they have? Do they have just like I don't know, hanging lights or a lamp post? I don't know. So what do you uh? What do you think about that, Myra? That how they don't have snow because it inhibits crops, so it's not efficient. And they don't have hills because it inhibits, you know, trucks transporting those crops and other things. So it's not, it's a very planned and efficient 
society, but they they've given up so much. What do you think about that? Well, I I want to kind of also bring it back to you know um, the giver was talking about how in, in past society they had different colored skin tones too, and so they've mm, they've given yes. that up, and so um, in some ways uh, I that makes me think of private school. Um, why? Because of yes, the we we did talk about like uniform yes, last time, right? And and just having that sameness in that case, um, which can be good, but having this um, having this value of self expression, you know, and I'm I'm not sure if that's a society thing or if that's an American thing. I had to think about that part. Um, but just valuing valuing the freedom to express yourself, or valuing the expression regardless of what it is. The second, the latter, mm. the the express yourself no matter. That's probably an American thing, though. Um, and so having um, that different skin tones, and then now um, now that's gone because of the sameness. I mean, we're missing a large part of that um and or they're missing not we're missing but they're they're missing the 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 beauty of choice and the beauty of variety and the beauty of just i feel like the beauty of life um when you think about how different we are as human beings even even just in looking at the different colored filipinos that i have right here in front of me um it's beautiful to think about and um, so to have removed that was is such a big deal, I, I think, for their society. And I think slowly Jonas is realizing how much of an impact sameness has had um, has had on the beauty of life, especially when we start to think about what kind of frustrations you can start to feel or, or read, start to read as he goes back home and not being able to, you know, talk about all of this. For for sure. And there's an element of things being artificial, right? Because, you know, if you're using artificial light and everything is, it's almost like being at, at, at one of those theme parks, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm not kind of bashing Disney or Universal or anything hey, hey. like that. Oh, hey, hey. I, I know, I know. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not a huge like. For example, I'm not a huge fan of that <laughs> artificial kind of world. I'd rather be in, you know, you know, you you talk about, um, you know, you see the hotels in vegas like new york new york new york and and paris and and um what's the caesar what caesar's palace that i I don't go to vegas and and they're they're cool and they're beautiful and they're you know in their own way i suppose they're with their with the glaring lights and the attraction and things like that right but for me at least i would i would rather go to new york and see the actual statue of liberty and see the actual you know Eiffel Tower in Paris there just seem there just seems an element of you know Truman show a kind of Truman show-esque element to this to this world um but going what you're saying about kind of freedom and variety I totally agree with you I totally agree with you that there there has been a movement 
in our society, particularly in American society, that to reach this standard of perfection that I think has been arbitrarily set, you know, even, you know, we talked about fruit, right? And food and vegetables earlier, right? You see sometimes these, like, these, like, apples, and they look so perfect because they were kind of bred to be that perfect way. And they're, like, you know, have this shine because they were kind of, have a kind of waxy um, kind of coating to them, right? But nothing kind of beats, like, picking up this apple that might be a little misshapen, not be like absolutely perfect circle off the tree and, and tasting its goodness. And you lose that taste. You lose that flavor when you make things this arbitrary, artificial standard of, you know, perfection or the ideal. Um, and it's scary. You know, we talk, fruit is one thing, right? But then we, when we talk about like people and um, and reaching this kind of you know creating the perfect person or you know what some people think are perfect people and those who oh, aren't yeah. perfect you know they're you know Pope Francis talks about the kind of the throwaway culture right they're they're thrown away. Um, um, we should talk about not just the throwaway culture, but the, you know, choose your own culture. I, I think of. By the um, way, did you ever the, did you ever read those choose your own adventure books? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of question is that? Bibliophile to bibliophile. <laughs> I always, I always skip through. I know. <laughs> you know. Yes. Have you, you ever skip. read one from front to back just to see what the heck would Bill go on? Like, what would happen if I actually read? Oh, this just just book? read thing. No, I have not. But I have like Why? you always had to like, the rule. Which one? Like which which one would be the best? Uh, which one adventure does it make to die? follow? <laughs> yes, <Best>. that's right. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about there. There's a um, kind of biomechanical process out there with with this gene called the CRISPR gene. Oh, I've heard about that. Yes. Yeah. It's very powerful that it can uh, it can address very precise genes and that almost to the point, not almost to the point, to the point that you can probably edit somebody's gender in the womb. You can edit their you I mean, you can make customize a baby. Basically. That is. And We're getting there. That's We're getting scary. there. Oh yeah, we're, I, I do feel like we're getting there. And you know what's funny? As you were um, talking about, you know, our apples and probably organic apples versus you know the GMO apples. Sure. I was I was thinking about you know, yeah, Sean. But if you pick an apple straight from the tree, what are the chances that it will have like a worm in it? Um, if you've ever had a apple with a, with a worm in it, you know. Um, sure. Yes. And and that's kind of the reason why. Mm. Uh, did we already get there? But you know what? Spoiler alert. But um, that's kind of the reason why society came to be this way in um, Jonas's world was because um, of that. What if you have the worm in the apple? What yeah. is what no, of, right. of all the risk that there is? Yes. And and you then you think about you know what is life without risk? It's Jonas's world, you know, and and for those who may choose to the safest path. You know, will you choose the smoothest course, steady as the beating drum, no matter how 
but you don't like Disney. Um, that was like Pocahontas I don't, I don't not like Disney, you know? but it's not like my, like, ideal vacation Sean, spot. Escapism. Okay, anyways, um, but, but yeah, so that's how sameness came to be about, uh, was just that whole, you know, risk and pain and, and hurt. It makes me, it makes me think of Hyde Park in London. Have you heard of Hyde Park? I believe it's called Hyde Park. there. Where you basically it's the anyone could stand on a figurative or literal soap box and say anything. I think I think there are particular days like Sundays or something like that where you basically could say anything that you want in in this particular area of the park. Oh, is it People's Park in Berkeley? <laughs> oh, is it? But I mean, but it's Same deal. you in order to have those different ideas like you're saying about risk you also run the risk of being hurt by those words and being hurt by those ideas and and is it you know you know and and you brought up crispr our technology is very eerily approaching the technological capabilities of you know, of the world that Jonah's living in. And what is going to kind of stay the hand, right? Because these are things that we could do, but they might not be things that we ought to do. You know, what kind of factors or what kind of what kind of conversations do we need to have as a society to... Because I imagine there are some things like, you know, if it's about preventing cancer... You know, maybe CRISPR might be a good thing, you know, or treating cancer or something like that. Particularly things that are kind of genetic <sighs> kind of triggers for that, but not like for for babies. Yeah, as we'll see in future chapters, um, the things that the society has given up in order to take the safe route. Uh, and we'll find that out soon because it's kind of it's really crazy. Um what kind of things they did sacrifice in order to take this the sameness so that's just a uh preview into a future episode oh, and man. into your future reading because oh my goodness i think we're reading the rest of the book for the next for the next episode we're coming and up. it's it's getting exciting um but I wanted I wanted to bring us back to to our Lenten journey because this is part of our you know we encourage everyone to kind of pick up this non traditional Lenten reading for this for this liturgical season. Um, what what do you think about the character of Jonas and the Giver? You know I was you know I think you, well you had brought up about a a kind of Christ. A Christ figure, and it's not as clear. You know, we, we look at books like *Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe* with Aslan. Of course, it's a bit more clear, a bit more obvious. But here, it's it's not. Do you do you think that there is a a Christ figure in in this story? And so, um, I do think there is, and I think it would be in Jonas, knowing that there is one person chosen to bear the pain of many or pretty much all um and and he takes it willingly like a lamb now um 
is Jonas going to continue to take it that way? We'll we'll see. Uh, again, trying really hard not to spoil things. Um, but just knowing that, you know, it's Christ, like for, for God, for Christ to take on all our pain and suffering and and to take it willingly and in order for the good of all. Now, um, as we'll come to see, we'll talk about, eventually talk about, you know, the value of suffering and why Christ allows us to suffer. Uh, but I do see Jonas as um, someone who's bearing the, the pains of society and, and doing it for the good of society, much like Christ. Wow, that was a great... Uh, discussion, and sure I'm is. sure we could we talk can literally for. Go on and on. We can, we can. Um, <laughs> poor, poor Renz, who's like listening to us right now. He's been listening to us the whole time. He's like our number one dedicated fan. Um, but he also knows how much we can go on and on, <laughs> unless we cap ourselves. So, so but uh, it'd be cool to hear, um, to continue this conversation in in a sense. Uh, with with all of you who are listening, um, so uh, before we get to our our kind of question of the week, let's let's kind of go over uh, your responses from our last prompt. And now we come to one of my favorite segments, that point in our podcast where we get to hear from all our listeners, get some feedback from them, and if you, all our listeners out there, if you have a question you would like to ask us or you want to make a comment on anything that we say, you could go to our website, urbanpix.com, or you go to Twitter, Instagram, like us, or follow us at urbanpix, and then leave a comment. Use the hashtag UPLentonPodcast. But Myra, today, yeah. I'm excited because we are joined by a special guest. And our special guest today is Lisa. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you for Yay! joining us. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so excited to have you. Okay, Lisa, when you get on, you have to tell us top three books. Go. Oh, whoa. I was wow. not ready for this. I know, this. but it's okay. Go. Just think. Don't even, oh. or don't even think. Just off Wait. the top of your head. <laughs> okay. One. You can say it's even if it's from like kindergarten or something. Because okay. the giver is from what? Like middle school. Elementary. Um, I'm stalling okay. for you. <laughs> I will say number one is The Alchemist. Oh, I love I'll say The Alchemist. Okay. Great, great. Number two, oh, I don't know two other books, The Bible and number three, <laughs> <laughs> The Catechism of the Catholic. Points with Jesus. Thank you. Nice. But do you right at now. least have, have a, um, a favorite genre to read these days? Do you feel like you read these? Do you get to read I these do. days with Bebe? So... What's really boring is I I like to read a lot of personal finance books. Like I actually really enjoy them. That boring? That's, That's not boring. Awesome. Really? That's I so mean, fascinating. Is it? Oh, good. Okay. What's the last personal finance book you've read? Uh, I don't know if I could say the title, but well, I'm gonna say it, and then Ethan, Ethan, you could you know bleep it out if you want. It's called "You Are a Badass with Money," and I <laughs> oh. did not like the book. Do not recommend. Yeah, they have it's a they have multiple versions of that. Probably trying to make money. Totally. But uh, under that, yeah. that she starts series. off with she starts off with you are a badass, yes. and then there's you are a badass with money, and then all these other things. But I do not recommend you are a badass with money. 
Is there a personal finance book that you do recommend? Um, I really like I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Oh, interesting. Does he really uh, teach you? Is it like more pointers or is it personal experience? It's very, I would say both. He he gives practical Mm -hmm. advice, but he comes from like, he's a son of two immigrants and he kind of has that humor of like, I don't know, being raised by immigrant parents and like like being, you know, like Myra uh, and my parents also are immigrants. So kind of growing up and trying to be re- just really careful with with money and, you know, going to fast food restaurants and getting extra napkins and having that little napkin drawer right. and things like that. Oh, oh yeah. for sure. Ketchup well, his, packets galore. Mm-hmm. His um perspective is, yes, the, his parents' perspective is the same. It's like, you know, pinch and save as much as you can, but also like, it's okay to indulge. It's okay to um, enjoy your life. So his like whole thing is, you know, cut back on things that don't matter to you so that you can splurge on the things that do. Sure. Just be more intentional with the money. And if you, uh, if you, you, you may have heard uh, Lisa on, on other Urban Picks podcasts. She was on Famine Fed, um, yes. but her personal background is is in finance. And mm-hmm. I think I like what you said, where I believe I heard you talking about a blog that you used to do. Oh, yeah. And you have yes. a blog now. You started a new blog, right? It's in the works. Yeah, I'm, it's in the I'm works. kind of starting. I'm, I'm kind of using my Instagram as my blog at the moment, but okay. I do plan on building out Insta a blog. whole blog. Nice. Yeah, an Insta blog. But I'm at Money Move In Mama. Money right Move In Mama. And you Is were saying with that. A G? No oh. G. <laughs> move In. M O V I N. Money Move In Mama. Move in mama. Yes. And you were saying that, uh, like, as, as people of faith, that we, in, instead of looking at money as an end, that way it would be a sin, mm-hmm. you have a different perspective on money based on our our Catholic faith. Would you just very briefly kind of talk about that? Sure. Um, Yeah, as you said, a lot of people, when they think of money or the pursuit of money, they kind of tie it with, you know, money is evil or the pursuit of money is evil. People who have a lot of money are evil. Um, But money in and of itself doesn't have that kind of value. It's it's the actions that we take with that money. The greed so, and the yes, envy and things like exactly. that. Exactly. And so as people of faith, we I want to switch the the narrative and say we shouldn't be afraid to make a lot of money because then we can bless our families, we can bless our communities, our churches, our cities. Um and the and poor, instead, of course. Good. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I just mm-hmm. read about a saint lately who uh, was blessed with so much and you know it wasn't she's a saint so it's not evil she just mm-hmm. decided to give it away so I, yeah. I commend you on all your um, personal finance journeys I love it I love following Lisa um, but we are going to ask her our next question she she was prepared for this one okay so Lisa <laughs> when's the first time you read The Giver? I read The Giver, I want to say in middle middle school, nice. where it was like, I don't think it was um, required reading for everybody, but my class, I forget what it's called, but there was like a program where you chose books on your own time 
to read and then you would fill out book reports or fill out a quiz on each book it wasn't that scholastic book club right you everybody remembers that it, it was, was it's that thin that thin brochure thin paper brochure that you get mm-hmm. Every, mm-hmm. every once in a while i think it was like called reading comp or something but um the giver was one of them and i pick it i must have been in the sixth grade and i read it and i remember it having a huge impact on me even then well very awesome um so I think Sean is going to go ahead and introduce our question to you, and and let's let's hear it. Sure. The, if you remember from our our last meeting of our of our book club, uh, we had we had asked what because we were going to we were journeying with Jonas in his uh, in his ceremony of twelve, where mm-hmm. you know all the children kind of get their assignments their roles in their in the community my question was what role would you play or what role would you like to get to receive in this community right and um i don't know if this is cheating but i kind of gravitate towards two roles and i feel like they're kind of opposites of the spectrum one is i really like doing events so I think I would have a lot of fun being like either an assistant or director of recreation. That's kind oh, of yeah. what it sounds like. Yeah. They're like in charge of events. I mean, I don't know that they'd have many parties or anything, but um, it, it like, sounds you'd like be a Leslie Nope. Possibly. I don't watch Parks and Rec, so I don't oh. know the reference. I know. <laughs> um, okay, that's something you got to do. Okay, right, right after you finish the giver, you know, watch Parks and Rec. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely. I know my brother's been trying to get me to watch it. What kind of events would you like to have in this community? Man, I don't know. I would do like mixers between, you know, maybe make a buddy system between like the fives and the elevens. Mm, Do you remember mm -hmm. in school when you were like paired up with a grade, like the kindergartners or with the eighth graders? Yes. So maybe I would do like little events like that. Ice cream socials. That sounds fun. Cute. Do they have ice cream though? That's another, that's a whole other question. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I think I would be good at that. But also other days when I don't want to do events, I'm also kind of lazy. And I think being a speaker would be perfect because it sounds like they give you a script or you just kind of just say the announcements throughout the day. Oh, yeah. And you get to be the one to just say like, hey, 11s, don't forget to, you know, Talk about your dreams this morning or oh, yeah. so you call people out on the mic. Yeah. I mean, hey. as a job, my goodness, that sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds like my current job. No, <laughs> teaching is not calling people out. But yeah, that, those were the first two roles that I thought of. What about you guys? Oh, yes. Myra, you go. <laughs> um, I think my role. Okay. Um. I just, I'm boss lady, so I would want to be an elder in any way, shape, or form. I'd be like, let me just get your job. Just give me yours, the one who's announcing. <laughs> I'm, I'm super bossy. I already know that. But um, but if not, then I could always fall back on my teaching. I like to teach. I really do like to teach. For as many times as I um, jab at at the students are at my job. Um, it comes with much love. So, uh, what about you, Sean? Oh, this is this would be interesting because I think I'm I'm on 
different ends of the of the spectrum here. Um, like you, I actually I like. I don't know how one gets to be an elder if there if there is a you know particular <laughs> age or what that you could or you could I'm be. I'm hoping they would give us a wand, you know, elder wand, a, wand, <laughs> a, hat, a hat, and a, a special like cloak. Could yeah. I have a, like a white beard that you give me instead of like you know those white wigs? You just give me a white beard. <laughs> like you know how they had uh, in um in England and in Canada how the yes. judges have those <laughs> that fake wig that they wear. Hand it over. I would totally wear it. <laughs> nice but I, I would i would be more on the the counselor so if you're the the head mm. elder i would be in your council um but if not you know in my i guess in my in my day job i would my background would be like jonas's mom to work in the the department of justice uh but actually i have uh you know, I have a. I come from a family of farmers, it, in in the Philippines, fish farms and 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 they grew vegetables and things like that. Uh, and this is the time, this is the spring where I'm thinking about the garden and what I'm going to be planting. I would like to maybe be involved in in the agriculture and kind of grow food mm. for the community. That sounds amazing. Can you grow my food? <laughs> you know, people. Do you have a green thumb, Sean? Is that why? I suppose, you know, sometimes and, you know, those who those who work in their gardens know that that a lot has to do with intuition and you're you're reading the the weather, uh, but also a lot of hope. Gardeners have to have a lot of hope that when you plant that seed in the soil, that's full of opt you you're filled with optimism because of what mm. what could develop. Um, and and come like July and August, and you see your tall sunflower or your your tomato plants are are right. have loads of fruit. Um, but sometimes you know the 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 slugs come and and eat it. Or like last year, I had poor germination, so it doesn't always work out, and you have to roll with it. But yeah, you know, actually, the a lot of the the men in my family on both sides, my mom and my dad's sides, were uh, have the green thumb and are wow. are active in the gardens and i remember as a kid i would help my uh both my grandparents and also my great grandparents on my so my mom's grandparents who would babysit me i would help them in in their garden and uh and i loved it i love playing outside i love planting a, a tiny seed into the ground and watching it become this huge plant that that either bore fr- bore food or fruit that you could eat that sustains you or one of my favorite flowers sunflowers that it just gives me you know it just makes you smile i wonder in this universe or yeah are we calling it this universe or this world of the giver sure. yes i could you guys remind me you could only have one job right because i was wondering that would be cool if you could do both right like you could be a gardener and also do justice do justice you know what i mean but yeah <laughs> but it is just like you have you are assigned one job that's from what, the moment you're 12 that's what it way. seems like um no, that's such a shame. because well because i think that's how you know they want they want you to become specialized because it seems like once they assign you that role that that becomes your life 
like anyone who's yeah. been like anyone who's been through grad, grad school it it becomes <laughs> your your life and and you become specialized oh, yes. in it and and mm-hmm. just like um you know writing uh computer program or something like that you it's divide and conquer if if everyone has their own role and is specialized in it then it could make the whole the community function and run smoothly but but you're right in terms of uh personal development and a sense of fulfillment uh your your options are limited Mm -hmm. and it sounds so opposite of our current society you know how you you in this community, you stay with one job, you get one role, and you go and you keep going. But in in the world today, it's really unheard of to have somebody um, be at a job for more than three years. Mm-hmm. You know, more than three or even five. So, um, I don't know. It, it It sounds very idealistic. And I'm thinking of the time... In the time period, Miss Lois Lowry, you know, wrote this. People were not changing jobs up, up yep. so fast. So, I wonder what it would look like to write The Giver today in 2021. Uh, would The Giver have a piece of the pandemic in it? Would The Giver have, um, I don't know, just you know, internet, social media, maybe? You know, do you think that'd be in this community? I don't I I don't think so because as we kind of uh, discussed briefly I believe already that they seem to have the technology I mean they they know what jets are and they have the technology to control everything about their environment from the weather even the I would imagine more like genetic technology which which makes it interesting that in the common method of of getting around is are bicycles where you know where in a world where jet planes exist because we, we were talking lisa earlier about how how this universe came into being because it, it seems like this is you know this is taking place on planet earth mm-hmm. and what what happened for this community to form this way is it is it like that the village if you remember that movie where this group of people bought a whole you know uh, a large piece of land and basically lived on that land and they lived in such a way where it was it was it happened in modern times that was the twist um it it, it takes place in modern times but they lived as if they were like in the 1800s or something like that right or or was it like the Hunger Games, where there was this big, you know, apocalyptic event or war, and this is themselves rebuilding, and this is the, the community that that was founded from that. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about it? Like, how, how did they come about? Right. Well, I always thought of it in the latter, where the entire world is just like this. Or at least I remember being in the sixth grade thinking that that this entire world but there wasn't no internet in the sixth grade for you no no Wait, was there probably dial up I think. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Got but know. i yeah i imagined it being like something happened to the entire world that they all just came together and were like we need to do a reset or something <laughs> and just rebuild 
And then yes. these are the rules now. And th these are the things that we value. We value things that are efficient or things that, you know, don't exactly add value. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, but to answer your question, Myra, if this story was being written today, I think it would be quite difficult, not just because of the internet and, and advances in technology and stuff like that, but because as you yourself alluded to people's senses of community, it's, it's eroding. And uh, if you heard me on the other podcast where I was analyzing the purge, I had, I had spoken about this, this book called them by Senator Ben Sass. And in that book, he talks about this loss of sense of community and uh, because of that mobility in part that people have, people don't aren't rooted in the area where they grew up or even where they choose to live for for years and and their children live and where they want to be buried. Um, people are moving around. So so this community where people not just know each other, but are united together with a particular vision or mindset. It would be tough. It would be more. It would definitely be in, I think, a sci-fi genre if if this was being written today. Mm -hmm. And Lisa, I have one more question for you. In your real life, would you like to have had someone assign you your particular profession? You know, someone who who knew you, who followed you, who knew your interests and who chose the ideal profession for you. Um, and secondly, would you like to have someone, you know, in our in our Catholic faith, part of this journey is listening to the will of God and discerning our vocation. But you know, in our as a maybe thought experiment, would you like to have someone also choose your vocation for you or direct you in that regards? So I'll I'll leave it up to you where you want to start. Ah, okay. So the first one would be like occupation, second. Yes. Vocation. Okay. Yes. Um, would I like someone to choose? And I like that you add the context of someone who has, who knows me. Mm -hmm. If it was just someone random, I'd definitely just say no. But um, because someone, we're assuming this person has like studied me, knows my likes, dislikes, knows my strengths, weaknesses. Just like Jonas. Yes. And the rest right. of his classmates. I mean, I don't want to say yes, because I, I hate being locked into something, mm -hmm. but I would love the guidance, right? I would love the, hey, you would be really great at this. How about we try this out? But not like you're you're going to be oh. this. So know, almost like it's forever. not going to, it's not final, but, right. you know, give me choices. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me like three things I might be good at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that would be super helpful. I mean... And yeah. also, and don't then, forget that you would have uh, the opportunities to to do your volunteer work, which I really like. Actually, one of the things I like about that that oh, yeah. community is there's a culture where the kids, um, the students, uh, choose on their own different places to volunteer, and so they could mm -hmm. have a sense. But also, the the elders are kind of watching wh where they choose and and where they flourish or seems to flourish. Right, that's true. Yeah, I think having experience as a volunteer definitely would help me in knowing what I actually would want to do, right? Oh, definitely. Um, and in terms of vocation, oh yeah, I mean that's I I don't know. 
Yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> no, because it's it's, it's listening to uh, the Holy Spirit really guide you. Right. But, you know, like you said, direction. It would be help if everyone had, yes. had a, a good spiritual director to yes. kind of work them through it. Like if it was... If it was just straight up, this is what you're going to do. This is what your vocation is. You're going to do this 100%. I would say I would not want that. Mm. But if there's like wiggle room, a little bit of time for discussion. <laughs> or Discernment period. Just, yeah, like leading DTR. me towards that. I think that would be better. And mm. I would be more inclined to say yes. You know, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. It does. For me, I, I want the burning bush. I want the definitive. This is what... You will do. And I'll be like, yes, I will do it. <laughs> yes, Lord. Even if you don't time. like it. What if like, what if they say we, we noticed we, we studied you as you were volunteering X, Y, and Z. And they they choose the one that you liked the least or something, you know? Sure. Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess so. I'm, I'm the type of person where I will, I will, um, I will make the best of whatever situation I'm in. Oh, you're just a good yeah. So you know, if if it's that something a... that I yeah I might not personally enjoy, or but something that I'm I I have a a talent for, like writing. Mm. Actually, I have a mm. you know a, I suppose a talent for writing, but in terms of the enjoyment, um, I don't I don't get too much enjoyment from it. But but I'm I'm the type of person where if I'm being assigned a role. I will try to do it to the best of my ability, you know, and it takes away from the whole, you know, analysis paralysis. I don't know if you've heard that in your kind of professional development. Oh, I've experienced it. Oh, yes. Yes. Where you you think and, you know, I'm sure, you know, particularly younger people in in who are discerning their vocation. It's like they're in the state of perpetual discernment. To some extent, that's a good thing. Mm. We all should be listening. But at some point, you kind of have to make a decision. Um, and sometimes you don't know if if this is the right decision, but we may be called to to make it. And uh, mm-hmm. and that's not that's not one of my strengths. So it would be good if I, you know, that's why I wish I had a, a spiritual director in college, you know, who was someone to yeah. give to give me particular direction because I could I could I could take direction. Um, what about you, Myra? Do you have any? Would Would you like to? have been assigned a role or a vocation? Um, you know, we, we've had this uh, pseudo conversation before because, uh, Sean, you you know how you and I bond over being two very anxious people. Yes. Um, so as an anxious person, I definitely would love more direction. And um, at some point, it is more freeing just to say, okay, Lord, what do you want? Yes. And just to give it all up. Yes. Um, then to then to do what I feel like is this endless search. But yeah. at the same because time. Because there's so much in, there's so much yeah. that you can research. There's so much information that you right? could kind of stockpile. And it and it's like, Lord, can I stop I think of this is the image I have in my head. It's uh Saint Joseph with the pregnant mama Mary. And here he is knocking on all these doors, being denied. And then <laughs> when there's, I feel like you could like angel goes right there. Just, just go to the manger. Just, just go over there. So for me, it's like, Lord, are you going to make me keep knocking on all these oh, doors? Or yes. Can you just like 
Yeah. Show me star star over here. Yeah. Angel dream, you know, whisper in a dream kind sure. of deal. So um that would be a that would relieve a lot of anxiety. So um mm. I don't know. Is that is that just weird? You know, I'm a boss lady, but at the same time if you tell me go there, I'll and and you know me and I trust you. I would say okay. Yeah, no, I I totally I totally get that. And uh but that's part of our, you know, that's part of the the challenge and the beauty of the Christian life right. that we God pursues us and we we pursue him. And you know, before we go, Lisa, thank you again for joining us. Did you want to promo your your uh, all the things that you've got going on? Yeah, sure. I know I mentioned it earlier, um but I am at Money Moving Mama. Um that's move in without the G. So many move in mama. Um, and I'm planning on sharing things about motherhood and money, um, kind of from my own perspective as a young working professional, newly um, new mother and, um, and also Catholic. So hopefully I'd like, I will touch on things like tithing or um, how to save your money, why to save your money, why do we care about money? Um, and yeah, so I'll be over there. Sounds so nice. Lisa, it's so good to have you. Yes, this was fun. Well, again, thank you, Lisa, for joining us. And thank you out there for listening to us. I hope you are having a very happy and blessed Feast of St. Patrick, and which is a Ooh. solemnity here in the Diocese of Sacramento where we live. So hope you're having a wonderful time celebrating. And then we also get to celebrate another solemnity in a few days, yes. the Solemnity of St. Joseph, Husband of Mary, in this yes. very beautiful and blessed year of St. Joseph. And, so you know, we... Blessings upon blessings Blessings upon blessings. I always consider it a St. Joseph's Day, at least, a, uh, a little oasis in the desert of Lent. And, you know, our Lenten journey, mm -hmm. it's we're approaching the final stretches into it. Um, and we're getting ever closer to Easter. So uh, with that, and the best part yes. is that St. Joseph's feast day is on a Friday during Lent. <laughs> it so is a Friday during Lent. Meet it up, everybody. That's right. <laughs> our our obligations to um, to abstain from abstain. meat. That's right. We don't we don't have those particular obligations on a solemnity. So thank you, St. Joseph, and thank you, Holy Mother <laughs> Church. Um, but again, so I want to leave uh, all of you out there by encouraging you to uh, go to our website urbanpix.com oh and i want i also want to give you our reading assignment which i you know i i guess i suppose i don't need to because it's basically from where we left off which would be we left off at chapter 15 so chapter 16 to all the way to the end which i believe mm -hmm. is chapter 23 and and the kind of question the prompt that we want to leave you with to ponder this week is going to be what myra all right. If you were the giver, what would be the first memory you would give? Hmm. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good that's a good one. Good prompt. So uh so think about that as you are reading to the end of the book. And when you get the chance, go to Instagram or Twitter. Leave a reply, leave a comment, use the hashtag UP Lenten Podcast, and hopefully we could read some on the air as so to speak at our very last meeting of this 
Lenten Book Club. So um, until then, I'm Sean. I'm Myra. I'm Lisa. <laughs> and we'll see all of you on the next page. This podcast is a production of Urban Picks, All Things to All. Theme song and audio production by Ethan Co. You can find all of our content on our website, www.urbanpicks.com. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next time.